0: Hey everybody. Hey monkeys. Welcome to Snark Monkey number 41. Comedian Jerry Rocha. Rocha. I am recording this intro in a way that I should never, ever, ever do, as it is probably unsafe. I'm talking into my phone while I'm driving in traffic in the greater Los Angeles area. Only because I have just left the studio where I had a great conversation with Jerry and I am racing back to Snark Monkey HQ in order to post this today, Saturday, October seventeenth, because tonight his stand-up comedy special airs on Fuse TV. It will be on at ten o'clock Eastern, uh, which it would be what 10, 9 Central, I guess, or not? Yeah, I mean, check your local listings, as they say, because every cable provider, you know, makes it available depending on your time zone, and you know. Figure it out. Google it. But Jerry is really, really funny. He's an up-and-coming guy. He's been on Conan. You can look at his website and check him out at jerryrochacomedy.com. But man, really, really funny, really sharp guy. A really interesting background and upbringing. And we totally nerd out on everything from Weird Al Yankovic to Star Wars and beyond. And talk a little bit about the darker side of what it's like to be a stand-up and why the hell these guys do that. Hear that construction going on out there? Here, let me give you a little... Yeah, see? I'm in the car. That's the sounds of the city, baby. So enjoy this. Watch Jerry stand-up tonight. Listen to this to get a little of his background, and uh, hopefully it will be replayed on Fuse or available On demand or streaming or however else you kids watch your damn TV. And get off my lawn! Jerry Rocha, very funny, very cool guy. Enjoy Snark Monkey number 41. Tom and wow. would fly to Indianapolis <clears throat> all the time, and they're still
1: buddies of mine. But those uh, dudes have done so much for stand-up comedy; it I, is amazing. And it's like I remember, like when I when I was coming up, you know, in Texas, people were like if you get on Bob and Tom, you can work the Midwest the rest of your life, right? Like, and you'll be fine. Well, guess, that's amazing.
0: Their people are so freaking loyal; they yeah. will go out and see you. And I I talk, I've talked to comedian Bob Zaney. Uh, oh, sure. And I had a conversation because yeah. Bob is a huge fan of theirs and he's always on and he's like yeah if i ever need a little bump in you know cd sales or whatever i just go
1: home <laughs> i go it's there amazing yeah it's amazing
0: yeah i mean, yeah, i love stuff like that i mean gabriel's doing something kind of amazing just the fact Never,
1: that i can't I, to be honest with you this is such a dream come true yeah 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 are we already on or yeah we're see? going oh we're yeah. going cool sure. all right yeah sweet yeah because because uh,
0: uh, i've heard fluffy talking about I mean, it's just it, the the stand-up comedy world kind of has this sense of I don't know. I I, I imagine it gets competitive, Here's, but it, but it seems like you guys really bond and support each other when you can, absolutely. right? So,
1: and it's you know what I for my experience, it's usually the, the the comedians who are successful are the ones who are like, well, it's now it's time to to help and. It's it's the people who are at the lower levels get the, they have the and it's and it's wrong because it's not like this but I kind of joked about it to someone else like they have this fear that it's like the hunger the Hunger Games or like Battle Royale where it's like we well, know we're it's oh, we're all we're on this island and we got to kill each other and the only one of us can make it <laughs> off and it's like no no that's not how it is you know like but there's that so a lot of newer comedians you know like well actually i take that back open mics are very supportive of each other yeah. but it's when you get it's that in between phase somewhere in the middle yes yeah. where everyone kind of gets all of a sudden we, and then but what gabe is doing is just it's every it's every comic stream come true it's just to have one dude who's already you know been at the mountaintop and yeah. it's at the top of the mountain to go you know what I want to help people now because, and that's just how Gabe is Yeah, like because the, he can
0: fill, I mean, he's filling theaters. How big are they Arenas.
1: Now? It's not even, it's yeah, crazy. That's right. This yeah. guy's doing,
0: I mean. I mean, it's uh, like him and Kevin Hart. They're like the it, two guys crazy. who, who can it, fill these. Yeah. Am- I mean, can Russell you. Russell Peters. You play, oh, and there's, yeah. like,
1: there's like, but there's probably. But how many people are in those things? I would say there's like, oh man. Okay. What? So I just did a show in, in Laredo back, back in our lovely home state, uh, of, home Texas. state of Texas. Texas. We'll yeah, get to that. And, you and, bet. The, the, I mean, I think the place sat in the thousands. Yeah. And it just—it was just—it was their—it was their arena that yeah. they have there. I mean, Elton John played there, you know, and <laughs> and here comes Gabe, and he sells it out within minutes. Yeah. and it's just jam packed, and it's uh, and if you go to these things, like you know, he, yeah, he does arenas in the thousands. Like I think the smallest uh, crowd I've ever worked with in front of Gabe might have been like 2500 Right. and it was only because that was just how big that theater was Right. and it was in a if,
0: if it had been twice that size it would have been he, probably would have been yeah, fine
1: exactly and it's and so and it was it was in a small little town and i believe it was arkansas and they just had so many fluffy fans, That's insane. and he was like, "You know what? Yeah, I'll go do it." And they had this little theater there, and we just went and just yeah, and it's just great. And you have people chanting like fluffy, fluffy. <laughs> It's so much fun. It's like comedy heaven. You just, it, it's great. That, yeah.
0: So the fact that he would have that level of success, I guess it makes sense that you would want to give something back. But yeah. he, he's doing it in a way that he's he's literally helping you guys with your careers. Yes, and that. I don't know that that happens in showbiz a lot. I mean, I just don't see that in other it's areas weird, of show business, right? Right. It's because like... in a way, it's like I, I've experienced this with a couple of other people. This is so – what a weird connection. But I used to work with Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, wow. Fairly okay, sure, regularly. Sure. And Jeff was was absolutely generous when that blue-collar comedy thing was kicking oh in. God. And, again, making, like, all this money. He said that he and uh, um, Bill – Ingval Ingvall would oh. be on the side of the stage and – uh, Larry, the cable guy, Dan Whitney would go out when nobody knew who he was and they'd be standing on the side of the stage and go, that guy's going to be bigger than we are. And they just let him shine and they would bring him back out and make him part of the show. And it was like, they knew it. It's like, I just don't see that in other areas of show business it's, it's, because it's, you would feel like as a, as an ego, egotist myself, right, right. I don't want anybody else being as good or better than right. me because they might
1: take away my right. piece of the pie. Right. It's like a band. Like, it's it's rare that a band would be like, no, this guy's an even better guitarist. Let's have him come up and jam here. No, this guy's even better than us. No, let's have him come play. His like, songs are a lot better. Yeah, than let's you. have Here's him come right? yeah. up. like, it's just, it, it's so, yeah, it's very rare, and, and that's what sets, and then there's a lot of guys, and it's funny, a lot of guys at Gabe's level are like that. They are just that generous. Like, I mean... Chappelle takes care of the guys who works right. for him. You know, it's like Russell Peters, the same thing. You know, Gabe, Kevin Hart, like they're all just it's funny because it's like their their rat race has been finished. They've already yeah. crossed the finish line in such a tremendous legendary fashion, you know, that they're just like, Yeah, we don't mind helping. Is
0: it's- part of that because stand-up is such a difficult, lonely, yes. <laughs> horrible existence <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> early I mean, you've on. Heard,
1: you've heard it's like, dude, stand-up comics and writers, like, you know, like novelists. They're the, man, it is just, those are the dudes, like, it was like, uh, I remember just, I don't know how many times I'd worked the road, and, you know, I'd be in some tiny little club out in the middle of nowhere, and like the condo they put you up in, like oh right. yeah, a comic the comedy comic condo something.
0: is a, is a common phrase I've heard oh, it so yeah. many times, and it's it was, just miserable. It sounds it's miserable. miserable, and
1: you you'll hear stories like yeah, guy committed suicide here about four years. <laughs> oh great, okay, yeah, what room? Like, okay, awesome. You know, like it's just you know like there's <laughs> it just always has that like earnest like comedians either either we're you know if it goes great then we're Stephen King and right. you know right. everybody loves what we do deservedly, right. <laughs> or we're Ernest Hemingway and we're just like nah, I just can't. Stand anything i'm just gonna i'm just and the guns in that drawer it. over yeah, there it's, it's, just, it's within reach yeah. i mean
0: it's already it's a lonely existence you're by yourself yeah. you're away from loved ones oh, you're yeah. traveling you're flying and driving yeah. you're making barely enough money sometimes to cover the cost the of the trip, trip.
1: yeah but uh, you still want to do eating
0: it. bad food oh you're potentially going into a situation where nobody knows who you are yeah. there's going to be a bachelorette party in the front row there's going to be a bunch of drunk guys who think they're funnier than you.
1: What the fuck are you thinking, Jerry? <laughs> it's, what are you it's, thinking? It's like, um, no, the, uh, comedy is the only art form where anyone thinks they can do it. And like you said, nobody goes. Like, you have to be at a certain level for people to go see you for you. Like, even music. Yeah, musicians play some hell gigs, no question. But at least a country and western band isn't going to book themselves in, you know, like a death metal club, you know, <laughs> right. but like whereas stand up, we just don't have, the, like, you know, you could have fans of death metal comedy come and see a guy who's like a G rated puppeteer, right? you know, cause there's like, oh, it's comedy. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, you know,
0: I, I'm just going to go and right? they better make me laugh. They better like
1: me. And then if not, I'm taking over, you know, like if they don't make me laugh, I'm just going to start yelling shit and see what happens.
0: So let me ask you about that because I, I have, I've talked to a lot of comics Old and new, and I listen to Marin's podcast constantly, oh, sure, and he's, sure. you know, he's gone through that whole yeah, trajectory, yeah. and um, he talks about reading the room. Like, you almost immediately get it, even yeah. before you go on stage. Right. Uh, how do they react to the guy on before you, sure. that sort of thing. Are you adapting the moment you walk out there from the vibe you're getting? Are you Are you launching into your stuff and, you and know, hoping they adapt to you, what
1: me- you point of view. Though. Marin is way smarter than I am so like <laughs> <laughs> I um part of me I always go out there with this you know fuck them if they don't like it. That's my but then you know of course if it's if if it's not then I'll make the you know but see a lot of like Marin's a smart enough comic to make the adjustment before the show. I'm one of these, okay, I'm down 20 at halftime. Better start, better, okay, now it's time to, okay, let's make some, like that's how I'm pulling up the trick right, plays. Yeah. To this, the I'm Marys. like, okay, shit, we're gonna have to just, we're gonna flea flicker it every time now. Like that's, yeah, definitely. Wow.
0: Well, so uh, I'm gonna, remo- we'll, we'll plug the hell out of the Fuse special because you. I- I'm gonna turn around and post this as we speak today. I assume, oh, Thank I assume that it will be shown time and time again or it's going to be available I'm in hoping, other forms.
1: We don't know yet. All right. Um I'm hoping so it does well. So if people well are listening to...
0: today, which is seventeenth, 17th, 17th. that's a Saturday it's on Fuse what time? Ten
1: o'clock um, ten if you well, depending yeah. on who your cable provider is. Right. right it's you like, either
0: get it at 10 your time or... or you, se- yeah, if, if you're, if you're <laughs> on the
1: East Coast... Here's the good news. If you're on the East Coast, it's 10 o'clock. Right. 10 p.m. on the East Coast, 9 p.m. Central. If you're on the West Coast... If you have like most cable outlets, it'll also be 10 p.m. But if you have like Direct TV, I think it's east. It's seven east, o'clock. You get the yeah. east coast feed. You get the east coast. So it'll be oh, seven. God, o'clock. that's so freaking confusing. So we have just. A, yeah, so just check your listings if you have. Fuse. Could you give
0: us the channel number for every cable yeah. provider, please? <laughs> <laughs> in, Let me see
1: here. All right, if you have Xfinity, it's yeah, yeah <laughs> It's, I'm just it's gonna, four
0: thousand something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that this is exciting. I mean, this is is this the full. First full kind of yeah. link special you've had to do. See, it's
1: the only time somebody said, Hey, I'm going to get a really nice camera crew to film you do comedy for an hour. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a CD on iTunes called take that real dad. And then some <laughs> of the material, because Gabe, thankfully became a fan of it he'd saw some of my stuff and so when i when he first approached me about doing this hour i was like oh cool i was in my head i'm gonna make it completely different from my cd oh wow but gabe was like uh can you do like a couple of jokes because he requested i'm like dude this guy's footing the bill yeah absolutely you i'll know? take so, a request yeah, yeah no question so there's a couple of jokes from my cd but for the most part it's about 90 brand new that nobody's seen yet. is that that seems
0: to be a new thing because there were guys again i'll keep referencing other podcasts because hey, i'm fine. a terrible businessman but <laughs> Ryan Regan was just yeah. uh, promoting his uh, Comedy Central special on a lot of different podcasts, and he comes from an era where the like the YouTube situation didn't exist. Right. Current comics seem to be in this mode of. I'm going to tour this stuff for a year. If I get a special out of it, good. But then I literally, literally got to start from scratch with new material. I hear Louis C.K. talking yeah. about that. I mean, these are high-profile guys sure. and they're doing big specials. It, do you feel that pressure after it's you've toured a lot? Because a little bit, it's, yeah? you know, when and you're it's showing also, up on
1: Conan and things sure, like that. Sure, sure. I mean, well, I think of all, I think Carlin was the first guy. To really do that. You know what? I'm just each time I do an hour, the old one's
0: dead. Completely new. Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: so. uh, But that's that wasn't that common. I mean, a lot of guys were relying on the same 20 minutes for years and years. Here's what uh, kind of two of the things that, that, that got me. First of all. I hate my own act. <laughs> what I are you hate talking about? I hate every joke I no, tell. You don't. Absolutely. No. I'm like, are you fucking... even if it does well, I'll look at the crowd, like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like in my head, I'm like, See, You laughed at that. Stand you ups guys... are the the oh, most fucked up people. Yeah, we're brutal. You're just... worse to yourself yeah. than you are to anybody else. <laughs> now why why is that? I don't know. I, I but I think that's what makes us funny. But you've always made people laugh. I have, yeah. It's been, but I still I'm like, the it's just you just have this weird. <laughs> Like, but I think that's what makes us, but I think that's what makes you. You know, you're constructing these jokes sure. in order for people to laugh yeah, at sure. them. And then when they laugh, I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Is it I'm the whole I wouldn't,
0: uh, I I would never want to belong to the club that would accept me. Is that, no question. Is that the deal? Yeah. Yeah. But
1: it, so that was, um, so a lot of that just comes from me. You know, I don't want to, fuck, I hate hearing this shit again. Yeah. You know, so I just forced myself to write it. new stuff. But uh, when I first started doing comedy. My mom's boyfriend, who was pretty, who was like my father, he was my dad. Uh, he um, he was telling me a story about how when I told him I wanted to do stand up, he goes, "Well, you know, one the only advice he gave me because he'd never done it, but it was great advice because just try to always be fresh." And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Because I'll never forget, I was so disappointed. when he was a kid. Yeah. He remember he saw this comedian on Ed Sullivan." in like the late 60s. And the guy gets up there, and he's like, what's with the kids doing all the funky chicken and doing, making fun of the dance? And he goes, I thought it was brilliant. Like, I was rolling on the floor laughing. This guy was like making fun of all the dances everybody did. And he goes "Then four years later. It's like the early 70s now. The same comic comes out, and he's like, hey, what's all the kids doing the funky chicken? Oh, and I was no. like, oh. And it just killed it. Because he was excited. Like, oh, I get to see this guy again. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what he's got now. Yeah, and it was just this... (laughs)
0: I (laughs) I have that same feeling because uh, talking about people reaching a certain level of success. Letterman was one of those guys who was always bringing on the guys he came up with. Yeah. So that was another kind of generous, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, You wouldn't ever see john witherspoon anywhere else right or, or right. uh tom uh well, i'm blanking on names today treason treason yeah, yep, one of his buddies and he would bring on jimmy jj dynamite walker yeah. all the time all those somebody comedy that, store guys yeah dave used to write jokes for him because yeah. jj uh, everybody kind of knew jimmy walker didn't really have his yeah, own stuff right except dynamite um he would come on letterman for like three different years in a row and do the same already outdated joke. Did you hear the song about, about the first black astronaut? And then he would sing a police song. There's a little black spot on the sun. dude. I'm like, dude, first of all, that song's already like 10 years old. And it was because it would start out the same way. It's like the music today. It's like, no, that, that song has been around for a long time. Um, so anyway, um, let's go back to your sure. childhood and oh, our boy, our shared childhood. Yeah, baby. <laughs> well, wait Tex- a minute.
1: Texas, the great state.
0: The great I, state of Texas. One of the great things about your stand up is that when you have oh, made a thank p- you your, well, that. you have made a point of saying that uh, your your ethnic background yeah. you are Latino. Okay. And you grew up in Dallas. Okay. So you get to make fun of those people. Yes. I mean, you and 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 you do so in a way that if anybody else was doing it, um, certainly from an ethnic standpoint is like, well, he, that guy's making fun of Mexicans. I hate that guy. I hate
1: him or he's making fun of rednecks. How dare he?
0: And and yeah. And Texans in general would go. But but they how do they respond to your accents, to your attitudes? I, look,
1: I, I still don't know why they like it. I'm not even going to try <laughs> to get because I have a fear that if I like figure out why it's just going to end. Well, they hear know?
0: themselves. They must. Yeah. They, well, I it's kind of like you tell the joke about about the uh, the the racist guy you try and tell racist jokes, oh, sure,
1: my uncle, yeah, the racist yeah. uncle, yeah, like that's just dude, it's it, 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 I guess it's just uh you, here's here's the truth. There's no better feeling than doing a joke and not making fun of in a bad way, right? but just having a having a laugh, making fun of something that someone from a certain race does, and then having people of that race come up and tell you how funny that was like that's the <laughs> best feeling it's like oh that's cool you know because i think like yeah I, I do a lot of voices i make fun of a lot of ethnicities but it's never in a really hurtful mean way which is i think is the difference you know and, and people can tell like oh does this guy oh no he doesn't hate us he's he's making it you know like then that's right. where you can tell like where the difference is and like
0: yeah absolutely and mm-hmm. i had but but again also it helps that you actually have that in your background I sure know, it's just sure. it's just part of your culture. well it's
1: look i um i grew up in a very very middle class neighborhood mm-hmm. um and what was fascinating was every my neighborhood like all my friends growing up in, in my little uh, neighborhood, it was like the Goonies. It was like one of every race. <laughs> like, it literally had one of every race would all be there hanging out. Like, and it was cool. We didn't know. Like, yeah. it, it was no. Well, and kids then, don't. No, we learn prejudice. Yeah, I exactly. learned bias. We didn't give a shit. We're no. like, oh, like, it's, and like, I remember, like, you know, I was just stunned. I went to the, you know, just thinking, like, I like, almost wanted to ask my my friend Kevin, who is African-American, and i like, dude, do you know these awful nicknames they have for you? Like, I had no idea. When I heard, like, why would you call anybody that? Like, I know. I was, you know, you I would grew just... up in
0: Odessa, Texas, and I didn't hear, I never heard Jewish stereotypes right. until I got to Los Angeles, to liberal sure. California, and people started making References to being cheap and hook noses, right. and it wasn't until then that I even saw. Oh, some, of, yeah, okay, some of them are like that, okay, but I've never heard that before. It's crazy, and it's not that there were like there wasn't right. like some sort of huge Jewish cabal in Odessa, right. Texas. <laughs> but one of my sister's best friends, her family was Jewish. I knew there was a synagogue in town. sure. sure. It just never occurred to me that. There was a huge difference in us until right. I got around people who made those stupid references all the time, <laughs> right. and now they're implanted in my brain,
1: and I'm racist
0: because they're it's their right.
1: fault. <laughs> I never had it. Well, it was funny. My, my neighbors growing up, like my next door neighbors, were a Jewish family from New York in you know in Dallas, and um, I forgot how the topic got because you know I'm Mexican, so. So much Catholicism was just shoved down my throat. Yeah. Luckily, my mom didn't really give a shit; she wasn't that into it. But <laughs> we were talking, something about a crucifix came up, and I, in my head, I didn't—I was never religious, but I always thought, well, there's probably something sacred because I see it so many times. Right, so it's right. probably a taboo. Let's. Yeah. Uh, and I remember she just made this joke. She Says, "Oh, honey." That's just a piece of wood to me. And I was like, oh, hearing somebody say that, I'm like, Oh, that's hilarious. Also and it's just that oh, so it's okay to make a free pass. You got free pass. And oh, it out, that was kind of the first time I realized, like, Oh, so there really are no sacred cows. Like it's okay to make fun of shit that people think is like, Oh no, no, it's holy. It's like that that was really cool. Like that was
0: So middle class neighborhood, what'd your
1: parents do? My mom, that was it. It was just my mom yeah. was uh she raised me. So she got pregnant. Uh didn't really it was just, you know, her Oh, clearly, yeah, <laughs> it was a, yeah. She, Wait, uh, you're she, saying, yeah, she, she, she was impregnated, by- impregnated. So they, it was, yeah, it was weird. Like she didn't, she didn't find me in a dumpster. Was this an like, anomaly or something? Yeah, it was very. I was the only one of her kids who wasn't uh, found. Yeah, like, <laughs> what the, she didn't almost trip over. It was like, oh, I should keep him. No, like, uh, yeah, she uh, she just, you know, my biological father, and I admire the fuck out of her for this, and she's probably going to get embarrassed when I'm going to say this, and mom, forgive me, but if this is championing you, it really is. Like, um, she just wasn't in love with him. Yeah. And she was like, look, we were just kind of dating. And I, you know, I got pregnant, you know, it's like I didn't want to have to force this guy that I didn't love to marry me and then you grow up with two parents that just fucking hate each other right, and all that. Right. It's like who wants that? So she so she said I just got when I, was, when I was pregnant, I just moved from Laredo where my whole family lived in South Texas to those who don't know and I and I just made the trip to Dallas. Um my 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 her her sister, my aunt went with her, her older sister and the two of them just You know, she got a job uh, as a long-distance operator for AT&T, which she did for 20-plus years, and she was just – she raised me, her her and her sister, and then when I was about two, that's when she met uh, her boyfriend, who was like my father, and he was just an accountant. Yeah. It was just – yeah.
0: So middle class kind yeah, of upbringing sure, sure. in the Goonies neighborhood of, yeah. of Dallas. Were, were you in a suburb? Was it? There? No, we were Dallas right in proper.
1: Dallas. It was it was in the, it was actually it was funny. Now it's kind of a, they've gotten a lot. Of, I mean, they were always okay. It was again we weren't like in the slums. You know, it, it was wasn't too bad. It was uh because she my mom just worked worked her ass off. Yeah. you know, and so yeah. uh she would work overtime every every opportunity she had. I never I really didn't get to see her that much. It was, yeah, Lashkey kid, right? Yeah, it was kind of a bummer. I never I, I didn't really. I maybe spent probably three Christmases with my mother. Oh wow! It was, I was always she was always checking she was working, the, the and holiday. so and so my aunt would just drive me down to Laredo, you know, and I would just spend it with my grandparents and you know my yeah. other cousins and all that. Like that was every Christmas was not with mom. was uh, but yes. Yeah, so um, brother sisters? No, I was only child. Only yeah. Child? So uh, uh, so yeah. So my that, that I mean, explains a lot. Yeah, it explains a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and <it's, laughs> well, my dad apparently had other kids, which I would love to meet. But yeah, who knows, right? Like, you, have you have
0: you haven't uh, Never. No, never. Like, uh,
1: I, I thought we get enough bread. You know, it's not too expensive. I, I just if I ever I would wouldn't mind hiring a PI. Yeah. You know, just to kind of figure out, like, hey, who is this dude? You know, what are his right. children like? You know, I want you know, is he still alive? Maybe I go walk up and say hi one day. But I don't want to freak anybody. Yeah, I want to. I want to get to a point where I'm successful enough to where I'm not asking for anything. Nope. You know what I mean? Nope. I just, just want nope. to meet you, dude.
0: Your d- wrong attitude. You need to talk to them while you're. Poor. Yeah. <laughs> because when you start making the real dough, the fluffy dough, right. you do not want those people around you.
1: <laughs> Smart I'm move. You're right. Good call. Uh, it's gonna be turned. Yeah. So so she um you know, she just raised me and it was great just by you know, and like uh yeah, I mean it was uh it was interesting, but it was a very like the neighborhood was in, um, in it's called the Village apartment complexes, hmm. which are still around in Dallas. And they were, it's one of two things. They're, they're they're at the time they were pretty affordable apartments. Now they've just turned into really, like. And they were kind of back then, too. But it was almost like the extra rich kids who went to SMU, they would just go live there. Because oh, it was close enough to like the SMU campus.
0: Slightly off-campus. Yeah, apartments. slightly
1: off-campus. So it was a party. Like, so it, a
0: bunch it, of young, like uh, 18, 19, 20-year-olds.
1: Yes, of a lot of working-class families and then also a lot of kids. Uh-huh. It was a very interesting blend there in that building. And it was funny, but there was a, a Tom Thumb grocery store. That was right down the street, don't, and it, it, you remember that, yeah, huh? Of course, it was. It was ranked um, like in, in the early eighties. Like, every year, for like five years in a row, it would make Playboy's top ten places to get laid in America. The Tom Thumb Supermarket. Because it was all these college kids just going and buying beer and shit. And it was like, who (laughs) needs a club? You just start hitting on somebody when they're buying booze. And you're like, next thing you know, you're banging them in their fucking sorority (laughs) house or your apartment. Like, yeah, it was uh, was incredible. Wow. It was always like one of the top ten places to score in America was this fucking grocery store. So who was, uh, was your mom funny? Oh God, she's yeah? still funny. And, I mean, and my the dad, whole
0: thing about uh, the 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 cross was is is that, not, that was our neighbor, that's kind yeah, of yeah, a but, bit. Yeah, I'm,
1: my mom was just super. Oh, my mom was like very irreverent. She. Uh, she was, would make fun of any. Same thing. Same as my neighbor. She made That's why they get along so well. Yeah. My mom loved to make fun of tap, like anything that was a sacred, yeah. you know. It was like, oh, fuck them. Who do they think they are? <laughs> that was her attitude. Where I think, oh, fuck them. Why do they think they're so special? All right. So you
0: affected attitude early on. Oh, yeah. It was just like, that.
1: yeah. And my dad was super funny. Um, you know, my, my mom, I was the only kid, like, who listened to Frank Zappa. You know, like my mom loves Zappa, so she played him 24 so I was raised on that shit. I was so, going to ask
0: you cuz there's always somebody who turns you with being an only child. For me it yeah. was my older sister sure. who had decent taste and then I kind yeah. of delved into more, you know, rock or his poppy yeah, yeah. stuff. Um but yeah, you but your mom turning you on to Zappa is
1: pretty crazy. Age. Okay. So here's uh, my mom got me into Zappa and then my father, my her her you know, I I'll, I'll just call him so, my dad. That, that's yeah. all right. He got me into everything else. He was I mean, such a music... Like, I was listening to fucking, like, Mahavishnu Orchestra. Like, <laughs> Prague jazz and, like, the wow. Who. And he would make me mixtapes when I was a little kid. So I, I used to... I, I don't know if you remember these. Um, you know, like, but they had these old records they were like 45s that had like a, see, a read-along adventure. So it was oh, like yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah. So he would, I love book, those. Yeah, in yeah, the book. And so he would, what he would do is, I didn't have a record player. So what he did was he would dub them all on the cassettes for me. And then, so on one half of the cassette were all these read-along adventures. And the other half, he would just put like The Who, The Beatles, <laughs> the you know, Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, The Stones, and like, you know, Miles Davis. And like, he would make me mixtapes. And I was a hippest fucking second grader on the planet no. like when it came i was like a music snob by the time i was in third grade you know like and so he he got me into yeah, all this people and are like,
0: listening to a flock of seagulls right, right? I'm oh, like, oh they're these so pussies. What is yeah. it stupid shit
1: <laughs> yeah fuck them you know i was like this is weak this is for little girls you know like i was and so i would you know and, and my mom got me into zappa and pink floyd were her big ones um but yeah it was just like and then my dad and then so the other thing was a lot of times, you know, because because my father didn't live with us, you know, he had his own place. And so a lot of mornings, it was just my mom and I. And so the other thing that my OK, this was one of the big ones was my dad. I was like in first grade or kindergarten. It was one of the I man young, young, young. And I was it was my first. I don't know. if You, you always remember that first really bad flu or fever you have. When you're oh, a yeah. Kid. Yeah. And I got a rough one. And I was like. Just scared shitless. Cause I'm like, why am I burning? Yeah, like, you've I never been be that hot, sick right before. I was yeah, so it's scared. A new experience Yeah. And, and I remember he to make me feel better, he he went to the Blockbuster Video and he comes home and he has this movie. And my mom's like, Oh my God. And I was like, She was so excited about this movie he got. And I'm like, What is this? And it was called Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, and dude. I'm like, and he just puts it in. And I didn't get half the jokes. No. But all it took was just seeing them pretending to be on horses. Yes. And I'm like, this is, I'm in. Right. And I just loved every moment of it. Like, as a kid, of course, the, I didn't, I don't think I've laughed harder in my life than the bunny that just killed everybody. Oh, yeah. a you know, little rabbit. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, I was just, and so that was, like, the beginning of, like, comedy. And then I started, well, he started letting me watch Saturday Night Live because, he, you know, he he was religious, but he learned early on that my mom didn't want me doing any of that Jesus shit. You know? so, <laughs> so he was like, "Well, okay, you're not going to church Sunday morning, so fuck it. Let's watch SNL, stay up late." Yeah, and then so I would watch Saturday Night Live, and I would I would impersonate for my mom every morning just to make her laugh. I would do the Billy Crystal the, like, you look mom. It's oh, wow. like I would do that guy, the Fernando guy, and then like it was just I loved watching SNL when I was a kid, and then like Billy Crystal is one of the my I like I you know, and then um. But then, so it would, I would have to, if I had to pick a Mount Rushmore. So then, Billy Crystal was the first one because I just loved watching because he was like the really funny, over the top, goofy guy in SNL. And then um, the other life changing moment was Eddie Murphy. So it was watching Delirious. I remember sneaking. I was in I was at my grandmother's house and she had cable. We didn't we couldn't afford cable. But my grandma had cable because in Laredo, dude, you give somebody 20 bucks, they'll give you whatever you want. You know what I oh, mean? I so I remember yeah. that. So like so the cable <laughs> guy like he he hooked my grandmother up. <laughs> so my grandparents had everything. And uh and so I I I remember just I it was a stand-up comedy and I was like stand-up I didn't know what that meant. You, I hadn't, was like, you hadn't really experienced that that no, much? No, I just knew sketch comedy from like right. SNL and yeah. Monty Python. And I was like, what is, it's a one guy by himself? I was like, whoa, like there's not even, other. so I was like, I have to watch this. And I remember I snuck out late at night and turned, I remember HBO would always rerun a special a couple oh, of times. yeah. And then so I just start watching Delirious. And, again, I didn't get half the jokes, but that fucking ice cream bit, I was <laughs> crying laughing as a
0: kid. But there's also something very rock star about, especially Eddie, in that Oh, special. my God. There's so much energy. He is so in command, right? You've never like, see, I still like, don't
1: know if we've seen a stand-up performance that can equal that. Like, it, it, I, to me, I, hear,
0: I hear people of your age, your era, who tout that as—because I had— I'm older than you, so I remember. Again, uh, we're talking Odessa, Texas, sure. Windward Mall, midnight movie. <laughs> this this movie I'd heard about, but I saw the, uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah, um, the the first one, the red shirt. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, I know what you yeah. the heart attack and the whole thing. Oh, um, it is to this day, one of the, maybe the top three single times I have laughed so hard that I couldn't breathe. It, and it was a theater full of just yeah. a bunch of white kids. You sure, know? sure. And, and he's talking about the streets and there's, you know, mud bone and, and prostitution and, all, and, and, and and stuff that's ridiculously timely, even for today. Talking the about police you know, brutality yes, stuff. Exactly. Man. Well, that- I, but I, I remember going, that's something I've never seen before. And that guy knows, ex- I mean, it was effortlessness Effortless for him. And I think that Delirious is kind of on that level. Delirious
1: is on that level. Well, well, it's great that you brought that up because, so my father, you know, I I loved, and then my aunt took me to go see Beverly Hills Cop in the theater. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I was in second grade, I think, second or first grade, and I got sent to the principal's office because I said- (laughs) I said motherfucker like eight times in the playground. And like some kids started crying and all this shit. I wasn't calling them one. I was just because I was using bad language and they got scared. And I'm like, no, it's funny. It's funny. And they're like, no, it's not funny. And so I got in trouble for that. but, uh, But my father... When I started loving no Eddie. Context. Yeah, no, no context. Yeah, no context. yeah, they, No, you guys will get it. So he was, <laughs> and my father thought Eddie Murphy was, it was tremendous. But he, I remember he'd tell me, like, he goes, you're not going to understand this yet. He goes, but there would be no Eddie Murphy if it weren't for Richard Pryor. And I'm like, who's, and I'm like, who's this guy? And then so the toy comes out. And my dad is like, do not go see that. Please don't see that. And I was like, but no, it's that guy, Richard Pryor. It's a comedy. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's for a younger audience. But my dad, his heart sank when he saw the toy oh. because he was like, this is not Richard Pryor. This is Richard Pryor collecting a paycheck. This right. isn't who he is. Right. You know, and it was like, and, and then so he started getting me into Pryor. And I was like, oh, it was just like a whole. But so, but it was definitely, it was Billy, Billy Crystal, Eddie Murphy, and then the uh, the next life changing was Weird Al Yankovic. That was just. Wait, wow. Oh, man. Okay, that it was I would
0: have never. I mean, I weird, don't know you that well. and Right. I, I, but I would have never guessed it. Weird that. Al,
1: if I actually got to sit and have a. Like, I met him once at Kamikaze. Right. But it was just one of those things like you pay and you get a ticket and you go get to shake his hand. Right. And I was like, I'm doing it. I don't give a fuck if I look like a tourist. I'm fucking <laughs> 37 years old in the last year. I'm like, I'm fucking do. I'm going to go. Hug Weird Al because that is like, and uh Weird Al is a guy I'm. I would cry if I met. I would probably weep and hug him. But because you know what, Dan, where does this come from? What I mean, I I respect him a
0: lot. He's also one of the nicest guys in the world. I've heard, I mean, oh, he's I like incredibly, so, dude, incredibly nice. I would
1: go Abe if I met like my two that. I mean, if all those guys, it'd be if I could somehow be in a room with Billy Crystal, Weird Al, Eddie Murphy. The other one that I'll get to is a is Dana Carvey yeah. and Hulk Hogan. If I could be in a room, you know, like I'd just be, I would just cry yeah, and right. just be like, and then, you know, I'd even forgive him for being a racist. I don't think he, I mean, I just think he was, a, he said some dumb shit. I don't know, whatever. Weird Al is a racist? No, Hulk Hogan. Okay. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but like, Weird Al, I don't think Hogan's. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it was just a really poor, weird, I think Hulk Hogan. No, are
0: you a Hulk defender now? Is not that not
1: defender. I just think it was like he was just, if you have to, remember he's like a 60 year old white guy right trying to make a funny joke right that's how come they can say it and i can't ha ha, ha. Yeah. and it was just like eh, well there's a lot of reasons <laughs> you know but like i just like <laughs> but i don't really think that he was like yeah i hate black people here come was just like you know he just made the worst oh another one would be uh david hasseloff because night raider come on but anyway um oh, dude dude and they had me and you lost and me. then and then oh. and then anyone who is a voice of a transformer that would that <laughs> i would lose my shit dude if i can Peter Cullen walked in Optimus Prime I'd be like <laughs> you know all the voices oh, of, of the Transformers okay I did a show with Brad Garrett who's like a sweetheart of a dude yeah. and a great fucking hilarious comedian but the fr- I didn't say anything about how funny I thought he was I didn't say anything. I was like dude you were Trypticon in Transformers and I was like <laughs> I just start I just go right into him <laughs> being a giant purple dinosaur in a, in Trans but alright
0: so the nerd in you coming out uh, oh huge well, I yeah. mean because you again it, it's in your stand up too You're, yeah. I, are you seriously that excited about the star wars movie i mean like you have like, no idea yeah okay I just,
1: i'm chomping at the bit
0: now when did it. this all start what was where was the switch flip there were you what
1: what sort of
0: kid were you in school you uh, other than using motherfucker around
1: <laughs> second graders class clown uh but friendly a geek uh loved uh loved you know
0: no, no clicky thing. You were liked oh, by all. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I never wanted to athlete or. I, I,
1: I could play. I could play hoops. I love playing basketball. Too short to ever make a career. Well, I, I say that now, but then you see guys like JJ Barea, who's like 5'7", seven, and he's winning a fucking championship with the Mavericks. I'm like, oh, so I guess if you just worked hard, maybe you could, yeah. like I could have done it. Yeah. Like, there's no excuse. There's no you no, could do no, it. No, if you just work hard, you could do it. But yeah, like, um, yeah, I was always so weird. Al kind of spoke to the nerd in me too like his weird out oh, like yeah. so that's where the weird out thing it was just like this guy and i just loved him i thought he was just a i still think he's a genius the, I still the guy think, is
0: uh, is i mean we all have made up stupid lyrics to songs right and i think that if you're any in any way musical in any way have some sort of comedic bent we've all done that on yeah, the radio absolutely the fact that he did it made a career out of it and also everything he all his wordplay is kind of Tremendous. brilliant. Yeah. He is,
1: he's still in his
0: arrangements and, and oh, all that.
1: Forget it. Like my dad, my first ever concert was when the monkeys got back together. Right. Oh, yeah. Without Nesmith. It was just a, yeah, it was like 87. Jo- yeah. 87. Yeah. Was Davy Jones, Torque and, and, uh, and uh, Dolan's right. That's right. And they get back together in weird out open. That's him. right. And my dad, tr- and I was like in heaven. I got to see the monkeys and weird Al. <laughs> I was going crazy. And weird out still one of the funniest, best yeah. concerts I've ever been to. So then, and then it was Dana Carvey. Because at the time, I remember when he was just SNL's go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there was that one, and that was, to me, the golden era. When you had Dennis Miller, like, and then so...
0: Oh, it was it was kind of ridiculous. The, it, the, 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 the talent that, was just... I mean, there was a lot of people at one point. Yeah. And also, there was that transition where those guys were giving way to... Farley and and and, and Sandler, Sandler and, and Chris Rock it was and, a wa- and, and Hartman oh was like, like such. A, but Phil, you're right. I,
1: I still think Phil Hartman, if pound for pound, was the best cast member I, they've ever had.
0: I I agree. I think he and I look back at that era too, and I because I'm an SNL n- nerd, sure, like sure. top to bottom. I yeah was there from f- first season. I was right. actually, I mean, I couldn't stay up late enough to watch SNL, but right. I heard about it from my friends. after right. just the first episode. So you know how some kids are like stuffing towels under the door to smoke pot <laughs> out the window yeah i was stuffing towels under the door so my parents didn't see i was staying up late to watch <laughs> the light from the tv nice and, I was, and we were in texas it came on at 10 10 10 30 i'll, I'll never forget be yes in
1: bed. dude um but by the way speaking of i think phil hartman you know who's climbing that list is keenan thompson that dude yeah. has been solid, and people don't realize how long his tenure's already been with SNL. Yeah. Like, and he is always funny. He's always, yeah. that dude isn't, that guy needs more credit for being you're an right. all-time no, cast you're member. Right.
0: He, he's, uh, I think, in everything he's done, he's managed to make me laugh. Yeah. Even if he has to kind of take a bad sketch and, yes. and mug through it. He, he's great. He finds a way. to tremendous. So his reactions and his, his
1: yeah. And right. now, my, now my dad, this was an all-timer, too. He took me when I was a kid to go see they did a tour i think it was in 87 it was dude get listen to this lineup the opening act. it was a tour they do we go to mcfarland auditorium which is where the shriner circus was in dallas <laughs> and we go see the opener was kevin nealon oh i know yeah the feature act was dana carvey right dennis miller headlined right, right. and i remember that um john lovitz was in town for whatever reason. And he came up and did a guest spot and he did like 20 minutes as Tommy Flanagan. And it just, I was in heaven as a kid because Carvey was doing all the characters. And I remember thinking like when Carvey had finished, I was like, this was a dream come true. I got to see my hero. Like, and cause I loved, I loved how wacky and just silly he was and how funny and goofy and energetic and everything. And I was like, this guy is brilliant. And I thought, what could possibly follow this? And then out comes Dennis Miller. And again, I didn't. I was too. I was like ten or 11. I didn't get the jokes yeah. really. Yeah, but well, especially just, his
0: references are so right. Uh, yeah. or, but
1: you. But I saw my dad just doubled over. And I remember thinking, just you just recognized this dude is on another level. Like yeah. this guy, he's just. And, and it was that. It was like you can be super funny without having to be goofy. That's when I also realized, Ah. this guy's just a cool dude. He's like a cool kid who's up here being super funny. And it was like... Oh, why? and it just opened up a whole other avenue watching that performance because you got like, it was the best of everything. You had Kevin Nealon who was very mild and yeah, funny and, and then uh,
0: But almost a character, like, his, yeah, like and he, he, he uh, has a persona that, that wasn't like anything like the others.
1: Trem- and he did the pathological liar and it was just dying laughing right. and then you have Carvey who's just all over the map and then Lovitz who's a tremendous comedic actor, you know, and then boom and then out comes Dennis Miller who was just like Just the smartest guy in the room. The smartest guy in the room as hell. and it was, there was no characters in his act, yeah, right. It was just this is pure, pure mono, just a mono, what do you call it? monologist? It was just a right. monologue, and that was all it was. and It was just brilliant, and it was, and that really was like whoa. And then and then so that was, but now uh, the nerd thing has always been with me. Here's why: only child, right? Right. So, a lot of times, you know, uh, without brothers or sisters, you know, if if friends in the neighborhood weren't around, my only companions were these action figures my mom got me. You know, yeah. so it was like a GI Joe's art, you know, it just, it was this whole other world and transformers. And just, so
0: your hours go by and you're just creating scenarios. Oh, and it, yeah. and
1: it was just like, it was all it was, was just like, you know, making my own movies like, you know, and then like, and then when I saw the movie aliens, when I was a kid, yes. I was like, okay, now I'm going to have all these guys fight. Aliens. You know, like, I was like, <laughs> they're all going to fight. Dude. It just became like, and so, yeah, like I just, uh, I, I, yeah, that's so I'm a huge nerd. I still collect action figures. i my girlfriend I, I don't know how she puts up with this but the, if we go to target anywhere i go right to the toilet that is my first stop do I'm, you
0: have them out of the box or do you keep them in the box I take them
1: out of the box don't fuck you. all right if all you're right. listening right now fuck you with your collector shit <laughs> You don't keep them in the fucking. They're not your fucking dead butterflies to fucking pin up. All right, you let them loose. They are meant to be posed, and and you, you don't. What's the point? Finally, of keeping somebody it? taking a stand. Thank you. There, oh. the-
0: <laughs> so let's just leap ahead to December. Okay. Uh, since we're talking about this, you got it. Where are you going to be the day it opens? In line? to um, you have your tickets? Yes,
1: I hope so. I, I yeah, I mean uh. I'm going to do everything I can to try to get into a sneak preview or two. Because uh, um,
0: okay, so you're I, your industry connections.
1: Is I that God what you're going to wish? use? Yeah, I'm going to see. I'm going to try to make some. <laughs> it's my point. Yeah. Like I'm going to. Uh, Between now and December. Between now and December. Yeah. I, I can't wait. Um, everyone I've you talked to. You have high to, hopes? I do. Yeah. And it's only because everyone I've talked to. Um, well, one guy. specifically. A buddy of mine who's a tremendous writer. Um, and just in case. I don't know. If we, he's if He knows people. Who's seen it. Oh. Okay. And he said everyone who's seen it is just, it is a home run yeah. of a movie. They're I like, think
0: they couldn't have found a better guy to do yeah, it. Because I
1: thought his Star Treks were great. Fuck all the Trekkies who hated it. It's like, dude, he find Star Trek is exciting again. Yeah. And it still holds on to the core values of each character.
0: its It had to be a fanboy, basically. Yeah. It had to be somebody who, who goes back to those first three movies, the ones that yes. were made in 70s, early 80s who recognizes what it was that made them special. Yep. And it's just this organic feeling yeah. of this great story happening in real time, not in front of a. Gr- I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, there's so many things. And I, I think J.J. was the right guy. Yeah, and having it's... all those characters back, I I literally, I'm about to tear up. just I talking can't about wait. It. Now,
1: here's the only problem. Is I have a bad feeling, and I haven't heard anything. I'm like, There's no, this is no Uh-oh. spoiler. Oh, dude, I don't want to see Han Solo die, but I know it's going to happen, and I don't want to fucking see it, but oh. I know it. Because remember, Harrison Ford wanted to get killed off in Return of the Jedi. Right. That was, he, he told Lucas, just kill this fucking dude, please. Yeah. And so I bet you anything. He said, look, if I'm coming back, you damn well better kill this guy off. And so I, that's the only thing I don't, I'm I not excited right. about. I think you're right. That's the only thing I'm not excited I about. I would think. But as long as Chewbacca sticks around, don't fucking kill Chewie. Well, this
0: is actually that is the new era. You do have to have characters die these days. I have have been binge watching The Walking Dead to catch up to this current season, which is which is by the way one of the reasons why I have dark circles and I can't (laughs) sleep anymore. I don't think that show was designed to be binge watched. There is a giant dark cloud hanging. (laughs) We have no hope. You're like we're doomed. Humanity is fucked. Yeah, Uh, but uh, that's just part of the nature of of the new way. Of telling stories sure. is people you grow to love and become attached to are going to die. You're
1: going to die. And it's a you know. bummer. It's like, I, uh, and I see why they're doing it because you want to yeah. usher in the new. But here's why it's like, but I got to be honest. I don't know. You're, uh, this is so stupid, but look. What? Here was my first the first real death i experienced in my life and this i i just said real and I, this, you're going right. to mock me for this and no everybody listening no, is going to mock me no but was transformers the movie the animated movie when they killed off optimus prime in the first 20 minutes <laughs> and i remember it, you know my friend mike black is a great comedian we 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 talked about this and we we both agreed <laughs> We went in children, we walked out men. Oh you know what God. I mean? Because, like, we went in children, we left grown-ups, adults. I remember there were kids crying in the theater because it was like, and it was funny it was- uh, I've never heard anybody say this before. That is- It was the most devastating moment. I'm sorry for of your my loss. young life. Thank you. And, well, they, so, I don't know if you know the story because, all right, so, and, you know, of course, Optimus Prime is- one of the most popular characters in pop culture, American, whatever, American and Japanese pop culture. But so what happened was they make Transformers a movie. The cartoon show was killing it. Their toy sales are through the roof. Right. Like, fuck, let's do a movie. And, It was funny because I'm such a fan. I watched all the making of stuff of the movie. And the reason they they were like, let's do a movie so we can usher in all these brand new toys. The
0: next round.
1: Right. And they were like, so what do we do with the old ones? And they're like, well, they're just robots. Kill them. They're not going to give a shit. We'll just get rid of them. And they didn't realize the shitstorm of like children seeing their hero get killed <laughs> that they were like they got let they got hate mail for so they had to bring him back in the cartoon they had to bring optimus prime back right from the dead they're like fuck we can't kill him shit <laughs> like we, oops, well thank sorry God he's a
0: robot by yeah the way. God he's a robot he it's e- way easier robots. to
1: explain yeah like <laughs> and so they brought him back and like but we were like devastated but but i remember at the time though and this is why i got to get over the han solo what i hope is what i fear is going to happen on solo because i loved actually the cartoon when prime was gone I love the new leader. I was like, this is kind of cool because this is real life. You know what I mean? It's like that. Like, I, I know, what, well, you know. You did grow
0: up that day, I did. It's you? like,
1: yeah. It's like, I know, you know, because then it's like then when my grandfather passed away, I'm like, hey, fuck him. It happens. I'm <laughs> kidding. No, but like. I was, yeah, like <laughs> I've already was, gone through the yeah, I've already gone, of yeah, Optimus Prime. I've been through this. Yeah, fuck it. What's a grandpa? No, like it was uh, <laughs> like it really like it, I kind of enjoyed the fact of like, oh, they're taking it a new place now. Like I kind of dug that. Of course, I was super elated when they brought him back. Right. But at the time, I'm like, you know what? This is the new guy. Rodimus Prime ain't that bad. This right. guy's all right you should give him a shot oh my
0: god you've really been thinking about this a lot jerry i
1: i, I spend way you too spend, much time
0: you've had conversations it. you have had, <laughs> and now you're gonna have me thinking about it, god damn it. so let, okay so let's circle back around to sure. when, when did you start writing jokes when did you think you knew you could be funny outside of just the classroom setting because you you have mm. all this stand-up having yeah. this huge impact on you and and these are a, you mentioned even just the lineup with carvey and, and dennis yeah. miller and Neilan. That's a that's a bunch of different personalities, bunch of different styles. Yeah, and it was a
1: it was the best tour I've ever seen. But stand up wise, yeah. Um, but, but but where what's the
0: okay. biggest influence on you? How are you, how is that developing in your comedic sensibility? Well,
1: very um, nice. Thank very you. Nice. Uh, yeah. Okay, so
0: and the Weird Al factor. We have yeah, to- Weird <laughs> Al. And
1: then you know what the last one is? Is this is so weird? But Dolomite. It was a black exploitation oh, movie yeah. in the seventies. Yeah, I. That was like I saw that, and my best friend in high school, Jeff, and I saw that, and we got all of our but all my best friends, Jeff, Ben, all they were like my brothers, and we saw that movie, and it was like the Messiah showed up. It was like we were like Scott, come over here, you got to see this. Dan, we had all of our friends over. Now, and I can't it was, help
0: but notice there's virtually no Latin culture influencing you at this point, as far as yes, either music. or there was. comedy um, or
1: for comedy, Paul Rodriguez, okay, and Cheech and Chong. Right. Che- yeah, but Paul Rodriguez. Are you was, feeling a connection in any way? I mean, yes. Are, now che- here's what was here's what made Paul Rodriguez stand out for me was the fact that every comedian I'd ever seen to that point was either white or black. Okay. That was it. Yeah. So true. I thought, oh, I guess uh, can only those guys do it?
0: I think maybe I grew up with one, Freddie. Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. That was you know he'd already passed and then away. He was gone. Right. Yeah. And then, so and literally, I think that was it.
1: And so when I saw Paul Rodriguez, I was like, oh wow! And I thought he was brilliant because he's like, this is a guy who's like. Uh, I, yeah, that's the shit. My mom said that's what my grandmother does. Like it was that was another big one. It Was probably because he's like, let me know. Like Paul Rodriguez, let me know. Like holy shit, like I can do this now. Like yeah. a, a, a Hispanic,
0: you can talk about your immediate family. Yeah, and, and it's like because
1: I thought I remember the well, who's going to get that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But Paul Rodriguez was huge. I thought. Uh, the movie "Born in East L.A." with Cheech was—I thought Paul Rodriguez's character in that is still one of the top five funniest characters in movie history. I just—I—I I, I, like. There's nothing funnier than—I don't know if you do. You remember that movie? If you saw that you, flick, I have a vague flicker. So of he it. has a my one of my favorite scenes is. Uh, Cheech's mother has a, a picture of Christ And she puts it over the answering machine And then like one of his friend, Paul Rodriguez is like their immigrant cousin Or whatever who's staying at the house Right. And one of their friends calls and leaves a message And Paul Rodriguez oh, thinks, just looks And right. he's like hey bring me a beer And he's like And Rodriguez like, like it's like a holy relic He's like carrying a beer like <laughs> over his head And he puts it by Jesus' picture Like dude Paul Rodriguez I can't yeah like he's another guy That I don't know what I would do if I met him like I've never met How him. How have you not met him? I don't know. And it, but if I met him, I I, I would probably just say the dumbest. Like, you're great. Like I would just be like <laughs> Chris Farley. Yes. Up. Like you're awesome. <laughs> Thanks for being such a trailblazer. You're the best. Like I don't know what I would say if I met him. Like it, I would lose my shit. Like it would. He's another. Yeah. But thank you for because like, he's another guy. Like and then um, so
0: this opens up to you, kind of doing impressions of your own family. Kind yes. Of stuff. Okay. Is that so, where then, it's so then, so then
1: that's where I was like, oh, it's okay to to be Mexican and like talk about this. And then like um. And then, so, uh, the, the first time I thought I could do this was in, in fifth grade. I was always a class clown. And my fifth grade teacher... Were you,
0: were you getting in trouble, by the way? Was a little it, bit. A little bit? So, but, here's but what But you happened. would charm them. That would... Yeah, okay, my, I, I my, get that.
1: And my teacher, his name was Avon Cravens. Never forget this. Oh, wow. We lost it. Passed away. And he was... When, he pulled me aside one day, and he said, look, I'll make a deal with you. If you don't tell so many jokes while I'm trying to get this lesson out of the way... Every Friday, I'll let you do five minutes. And I was like, You're kidding me. Because, nope, you can stand up in front of the class and do five Dude, minutes. Your
0: first open mic comes in fifth grade. In fifth grade. You, I, I mean,
1: how and I'm formative
0: doing... is that to be able to go up in front of people, yes. which is, is the biggest fear of anybody yep. who thinks they can do that in yep. an open mic? Yep. And
1: and you're testing material and, um, in fifth grade. Fifth grade, and all I did I was just impersonate the principal, right? You know, teachers, but huge laughs, right? Oh, I crushed! I right. crushed. It right. was yeah, it was you're amazing. It. it was amazing. And so, like, he let me do that, and I was like, oh, it was nothing can top that. Like, that was the best. And then when I found out he passed away, I just i couldn't i was inconsolable yeah. because we didn't really keep in touch afterwards you know like you know who talks to their fifth grade you know whoever no. thinks hey, let me call up my fifth grade teacher but this but is you never forgot that you never forgot and yeah. this is the weirdest thing ever but i'm not religious but i don't know what this means uh is it the most amazing coincidence of all time maybe um but so one day i'm uh i'm I go, and I worked at Blockbuster Music. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. So, right, yeah, right before oh, Napster just wow. destroyed everything. Um, I worked at Blockbuster Music, and it was right out of high school. I was uh, just graduated, and I was about to do my first ever open mic the next day. I was going to do it. Because so what happened was I would we would always go to this comedy club in Dallas called the Backdoor Comedy Club. And in high school, we would go there all the time, and there was, there was a couple of comedians there who were just like, at the time, were like, it was it was it was crazy to see stand up comedy live and in person, and like in a small New York style, tiny, dingy underground, right. intimate.
0: It wasn't the big kind of corporate. It wasn't a theater. giant it was, stage. Yeah. It was just the way it was supposed to be. Yeah, the
1: way it's meant to be. And there was these—I'll uh, never forget—the three comedians. were this guy named uh, Terry Yates who was a Dallas comic who I thought was just amazing. This, this girl named Melissa Meroff It was also who's and then this guy named Neil Edwards. And Neil Edwards was like my comedy hero at the beginning he would there was nobody funnier than him and uh, and then so that was like just to see these guys every weekend It was like man they're so good they're so good I just I laughed at every I lapped up every this woman named uh, these two comics uh, Linda Stogner and Jan Norton who were just like just legends of Dallas comedy they they put this club together to showcase local talent and, and God bless them for doing it, you know? And, and, and there's, they're still there to this day. They have such a passion for it. that They still do this and they still bring up talent and, and it's great. And it was so great. And, and like, you know, Linda and Jen, all of these comics were just like, we would just go and just, we were in tears every weekend watching these comedians. And then, um, one day, uh, that we, I just go with my girlfriend. I'm right out of high school and there's a science says, Hey, do you think you're funny? We have an open mic. And I was like, man, what am I going to do with my life? I was like, I don't want to go to college. And I thought, that's it. Did you have
0: any thought about, no, I like, I, no, thought, I thought being a
1: comedian was, like, the same as, like, I might as well just go try to be in NASA.
0: You know, like, there's just no way. But were you thinking what, what you're going to major in or what I other thought I thought were? I was
1: going to be, maybe I could be, like, uh, maybe I could be, like, Quentin Tarantino and make cool movies. To make you know, movies. yeah, I was yeah. like, maybe I could do that. I didn't know. I was just so many different venues, ideas, and well, what do I got to do? But then I'm there. And I was about to start community college. I'll never forget this. And I saw this sign. I'm like, motherfucker, that's what I want. And it just hit. like, I've been such a fan of this. I've already done it. Why can't I do? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then so. um, uh, How so old are you? I'm point? about 18, 17, yeah. 18. And uh, it was actually right before my 18th birthday. So I was 17 when I first started. It was like a week before my 18th. And so the night before my first ever stand-up show, I'm at Blockbuster Music. I'm closing up shop. And this guy walks in, and I'm like, I think I know him. I think I know him. And he was one of my old teachers as well. He worked at that same elementary school. And him and my fifth grade teacher, I don't know if they were dating, right? But they were they were both homosexual, and they were like, I think they were either best friends or they were an item at the time, whatever. Right. Um, and he said, Jerry? And I was like, no way. And I was like, Mr. Havasco. And it, we just, hey, man. And he goes, Hey. And he goes, "What what's going on?" I was like, "Oh, no. He goes, "You're guy. I guess you just got out of high school now, huh?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, I'm actually about to do an open mic tomorrow. I'm going to do stand-up comedy." And he starts crying. And he goes, and he, he he didn't even say his name because you know he would have been so proud of you. He knew this is what you're going to do. And it was just this moment, okay. and we're both crying, Dude. and we hug each other. It was just, it was almost like the gods were giving me the go ahead. You, you know like, what that
0: is, Jerry? Because I, I, I'm experienced this enough with everybody I've talked in here. There is, I mean, we can talk about influences all you sure. want. You can talk about Eddie Murphy and Weird Al right, and all right, that right. stuff, but it's that there is a there is at least and usually it's just one personal connection you make yeah. in your life yeah. that you, but the fact that it's so vivid to you and the fact that it, you had that moment right. there is a champion in your life there oh, is that one person that and it can come from anywhere yeah. and it, it came from a teacher who yeah. just had this instinct about yeah, you and, it was crazy it was and
1: if that hadn't happened who the fuck knows yeah, right like yeah. i would have been some miserable guy you know, who knows what I'd be doing. Yeah. You know, I would hate my life. Whatever it was, I'd be hating it. But like, your
0: life can turn on a dime when you have that one person who kind of believes absolutely. that you can do something like that. Yeah, and it wow. was and then How so, they open mic now.
1: Go. It How was did he? I brought all my friends because I knew they were going to fake laugh. <laughs> so it was terrible, but I did good. And then and then I just kept coming back for more. Yeah. And I quit inviting my friends because, like, you know what, I want to bomb now. Like, I want to suck, and I want to learn from You knew sucking. you had to do that. Yeah, and then this and, and this comic, Neil Edwards, kind of took me under his wing. And then after just doing the ride, and I just started, you know, after a couple of years, oh, well, actually, I can get paid to do this? Yeah. So I started doing little crappy one-nighters all throughout Texas and all over the country. And then um the driving the flying the driving comedy drive countdown. never flew just drove to every the put, blood put, stains put, on the car oh yeah, yeah. put a hundred fifty thousand miles on my car Dude. like and then uh and then the next major turn was i moved to new york because i thought you know what let me and so i would worked with this comedian who's just an all-timer doug stanhope you know of course oh, everyone, God, and yeah. so Doug, i worked with him in dallas stanhope
0: and i did this is so weird you say that this room used to be a very different room it was uh, if you remember Rockline the show yeah, Rockline sure, with sure Bob Coburn it used to come out of this room oh wow Bob uh, uh, Doug and I did a demo for a show called uh, the man show radio show oh, it was wow. when he and Rogan had yeah. taken over the man show and we were trying to develop a a uh, radio version of that that's awesome I was his you know I was kind of guiding him along he was—he's fucking brilliant, and oh. he was amazing, and he was able to temper his you know weirdness for right. radio and keep it right. clean, but had great rants and had great ideas. He's and, best, man. and it was pushing the envelope. And we finished the demo, and that weekend was when Janet Jackson showed her boob on TV, <laughs> oh, no. and the whole world shut down. And yeah. it was like, yeah, that man show thing. No it. way
1: we're going to do that. God. Uh, anyway, so he That's his presence so... is in this room. Oh, uh, Doug's the best man. He. So he saw me, and I opened for him in Dallas at the Improv in Addison. And he, we just hit it off. And he, I was so lucky that he enjoyed my comedy. And I told him, hey, man, I'm moving to New York. And he goes, oh, well, shit, man, I'm going to be headlining Carolines. I was like, are you, when are you going to be there? So I'm going to be there in like a month, because I'll be there in like a month and a half. So you're opening for me. Congratulations. And I was like, oh. so my, So I moved to New York. I find an apartment, all this. My first gig, opening for Doug. And then um, I might cry. I apologize. But I. <laughs> as i'm as i'm as i'm getting ready to perform first show i see this woman walking down the steps with this with the most intimidating guy i've ever seen in my life dude was just loaded with tattoos gigantic gunboats for arms and had this thick bronx accent and um the girl goes oh are you on the show? She just she could tell was a comedian. And I said, "Oh yeah, my name's Jerry Rose." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know who the fuck you are. You better be fucking funny." Oh. And I'm like, "This <laughs> guy who could kill me without think." I'm like, "Oh god!" And then so I go on stage. Welcome to New York. By welcome the way. to New York. And yeah. I bomb. Oh, I bomb. And then so I get off stage. Is that
0: in your mind when you're up there? No, I no. I was just
1: thinking like, "Yeah, I want to do good," and then just bomb. <laughs> and then uh. And then I, oh. I walk off stage and Doug is sitting there and that guy, the intimidating and the intimidating guy goes, come here. And he gives me this giant hug and Doug goes, me and him were the only guys laughing, bro. We fucking loved you. And this guy was name was Mike DiStefano, And he was on, uh, he became my brother. Like we just, that after that night, we were inseparable the entire year that I lived in New York. Every night that I was there, we did a show together. I hung out with him. I learned everything about so much more about life, comedy, everything from him. Uh, he passed away, you know, and it was, it's been rough ever since. I can't yeah. even, it's hard to even, like, I always wanted my success to somehow be tied to Mikey and, like, us do shit together. And when, 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 when he died, I was like, I almost quit. I was like, well, really, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, it was rough. But, like, yeah, like that, but that was the next major was meeting Mike and just, we formed this inseparable bond. It was just like, we talked to, when I moved from, so after a while in New York, I ran out of money and, and, and I had already lived in LA for a little bit before then. And I was like, you know what? I, I just had this inkling that go, I want, um, LA felt like unfinished business Yeah. because when I first lived here, it was about a two years before I moved to New York, a year and a half before I moved to New York. And I was only here for like five months. I was just sofa surfing, but I had gotten past at the improv. You know, I was people at the comedy store were kind of getting to know me, you know, and so I was like, and then I just had to move, you know, again, ran out of bread and I'm like, fuck, and I was already working a job, but I was staying with a friend and he had to move and it was just like, oh no, it was yeah, like this, yeah. I didn't have enough money, you know, to get my own apartment. So I was like, fuck. So I just had to go back to Texas, saved up a shitload of money, moved to New York. Right. And then there, but LA was like, I want to go back to LA. I want to, so yeah, I told Mike and he was so mad at me. I'll never forget how pissed he was. And he would call me every day. goes, Jerry. I can't wait for you to go to L.A., bro. I just want to let you know, I can't wait for you to go to L.A. and fail (laughs) so you can come back to New York where you should be. He would tell me that every day. He'd call me, like, bro, I'm rooting for you so hard to fail so you can come back and live here in New York. And it was, like, it was great. So, like, it was just, that was, like, that he was just the most supportive. He was, like, the big brother you never had type of guy. And it was just, like. it Was was, this
0: where you. Did you kind of find your voice in this no, period? No, that's absolutely, yeah. and it was because usually comics they start up with basically a persona that you've pulled from all those other sure, influences you've had. you're because you got nothing else to go on. Right, and then at some point there's usually this turn, and it sounds like yeah. w- w- this that Mike helped you get there, which is you start talking about yourself. Right, your family becomes a bigger part of it. Right. Just your your sensibility. Fuck right. them. They, if they
1: don't take to it. So. Neil, the guy Neil was like, he was the first guy to show me how great comedy can be mm-hmm. because he was a legendary good comedian and you could learn so much watching him. And then Mikey D was the first guy to teach me how to laser focus what, you know, and yeah. just because, I mean, Mike would just, he, it was just, you've never seen anything like it. Like, he would just go up there and I loved watching him just not give a fuck. <laughs> like, he would just go up there and say, you know what, guys, there's too many people alive. he would just say that. There's too many people alive. And the joke would just bomb. And he would just like, what does he even mean? And he would just move on to the next joke. And then the next week he would say, no, there's fucking too many people alive. And then he would say, you know what I think? I don't think cancer should be cured. I think it should be redistributed because all the wrong people are dying from it. And I was like, dude. And if these jokes would bomb because we were at this club in New York called the Ha, which is like it was like all tourists. It was right there on Restaurant Row in Manhattan, so it was all, they had barkers. It was all tourists. So these people didn't want to hear this shit, and they were like, we're just here having a good time from Nebraska. This guy's telling us that cancer shouldn't be cured, but redistributed. <laughs> and then, like, he said that, he would say, like, there's too many people alive, and then that joke, three months later, morphed into, um, you know, I, I, I used to work at a suicide prevention hotline mistakes were made let me just say that right now and he goes because you know a guy would call me and be like i just hate myself nobody loves me life is not worth living every person i've ever had has rejected me and he goes no no no. you're a beautiful soul never forget that don't let anybody tell you that you're not worth it okay man fuck these people who don't believe in you and then so no life is worth living and then that guy would be like nah you're right and he'd put down the gun and then the next guy would call and be like i have a problem i like to fuck kids And i go you know what you're on the right track buddy just make sure you fucking finish the job and kill <laughs> yourself, like he would just, and then and then what was great is I would see that joke go from crickets, yeah, to getting standing over. It, you know what I mean? Right, he would just, right. and then so we both just had this. He just bred that fearlessness. Just go fucking fuck these motherfuckers, man. If they, and then he had the best... If he was bombing, if he was bombing, he would go, you know what, fuck you people. He was just saying... He goes, who the fuck are you to judge me? He goes, you're a bunch of fucking losers who didn't even have a funny friend to hang out with tonight, so you had to come pay strangers to make you laugh. And it was just... It was the fucking... You'd never see anything like it.
0: Now, see, that's what's interesting about watching your stand-up, Jerry, is all these guys you're talking about, Stanhope and, and DiSampano yeah, sure. and, and Neil, yeah. um, there is an abrasive quality to that. Oh god. And you your persona, and this is not a critique at all, your persona has the outward appearance of being aggressive yeah. and abrasive. Yes, yeah, sure. And you temper that entirely with how it pays off and well, how you, you and how you end up presenting it. You know and it's one of the most unique well, presentations thanks, i've ever wow, seen stand up very no that's it is very kind you know because you've got you, from your voice to your persona to just how you hold yourself and how and and how you're up in people's faces oh, right thanks, away man. and thank it's you. but it's got this lovely
1: gentle quality well, thank to you it so much you, you know i tell you that the biggest again passive people i've named right the idols that i had in comedy it was um laura keitlinger when i was younger you know like all these the yeah. people who are crushing it um of course, Stan Hope, Mitch Hedberg, Tom Rhodes. Oh, forget it, dude. I could watch Tom Rhodes. It just, oh, he's just, uh. And then um, another huge one that you talked about, the Latino thing, past Paul. So Paul Rodriguez, I thought was the only Latino comic that existed before I met Gabe and George Lopez and all those guys just were just, crushing it you know like one of the first gigs was ever i got to do the latino laugh festival that's when I, gabe doesn't remember but that's when i met him oh, wow. you know and gabe was just his budding superstar like he was just becoming just on fluffy. the rise yeah. yeah and i mean you got to see george lopez just in his prime oh, just I crushing know. and yeah. it was just crazy and george lopez is still you know super fucking funny but this is back when not america didn't know who george was yet. right yeah. and he was but you were like dude this guy's gonna be a f- watch everybody yeah, this was when name.
0: there was a, a like a scene that were specifically like Latino, Latino yep. comics, sure. And that was, and the only people going to see them were Latinos, right. And, right? and
1: then so, but the biggest one passed Paul. The biggest one passed Paul Rodriguez, and I was fortunate enough to to call this guy a friend. Uh, near the end was Greg Gerald. I was going to say Gerald. Watching C- and I think so. There's there's part of him in you too. Oh well, well you. Totally. that's an odd. Like and okay, so I think like if I had to, I mean, there's so many, but. I don't know if there's, t- I've ever seen two more jaw droppingly funny comedians in Dave Attell and Greg Giraldo. Yeah. You know, and those two guys, Attell is just, again, he's one of those dudes who's on another plane of existence. Yeah. I yeah. think you could easily put Chappelle and Chris Rock up there, too. That's like probably the, if there's a four horseman, you right. know, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd go like I Chappelle. Mean, you throw I
0: mean, genius around too much, but those are the guys you mentioned are guys that just were working on a different plane. Yeah, they, and, just, and, they just thought differently yep. than the rest of us humans.
1: And what's crazy is, is Jerry Seinfeld. A lot of like, oh, he's just so, what's a deal, blah, blah, blah. Dude, people don't give Seinfeld enough credit for just being technically, it's, he's like fucking, he's like watching the drummer from Rush. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> dude, he doesn't miss anything. That guy is just a technical no, genius. He's a machine. And
0: not in a cold way, but right? I get it too. Yeah. I mean, and, you- and
1: I think Bill Burr is another dude right. who's just like on another, but Geraldo, watching Greg Geraldo. Do stand up comedy for the first. I remember when he had his he had that that, that sitcom early in his career. Oh, right. and I they showed footage of him doing stand up. I never forget to promote the sitcom, and he had this bit that I'll never forget where he said, "Because um, nobody believes I'm Mexican, I look Jewish." And Geraldo had this whole bit about being Mexican but not being Latino because he, was, he wasn't he was Mexican, but he was Hispanic. Right. Being Hispanic and not looking at and how people don't believe they're Hispanic. And he goes, there's not really a support group for us. You know, he goes, <laughs> guys, like, he goes, what's it going to be? Me and Emilio Estevez picking outside the White <laughs> House. Like, free, heart people. Like, it was one of the funniest fucking – and, like, so, yeah, Geraldo was a huge influence, and, and he was so kind to Mikey and I. Like, he really helped because Mike – Really got into the next level because the last comic standing. Yeah, and that was the year that Geraldo was a judge, and Geraldo got both of us auditions because he thought we both deserved it. And it was just like Greg; it was just such a great guy to know. And you know, like yeah, was... I need
0: to let you go soon, Jerry. Cause... Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, no, no, comedy. no. This I'm is freaking... so great. I, I just, I'm afraid if we keep talking, we literally could keep talking right up until the special airs, and this thing <laughs> won't go up. Um, I and I hate to get dark all of a sudden, but we okay. talked about guys that we've lost. Yes, you know? and we talked about just kind of the 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 nature of what it's like to be a stand-up on the road. Right. I mean, do you recognize that dark side and how, how prevalent that is in your line of work and why that's yeah. there? Is it yeah. is it the nature of the person in the first place because of where they come from? Because people say all the time that most stand-up comics right. are already damaged people, that and, we, the, and this uh, is a way of working things out.
1: There's only one other uh, that I can— hear the way they speak about it, the way they relate to it, just like, and it sounds pro wrestlers. It's the exact same. How many pro wrestlers have gone down this dark path? There's a tremendous film called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, a documentary that. uh, Oh yeah, I just heard him talking about it. I just, I just, I went to a screening. He he
0: was heavy addiction issues that he had to come out of,
1: and he. It's to anyone listening. It's not out in theaters. Find a way to get this movie in the Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. It is. It, and you're like, holy shit! I've I've worked with a million comics who have had those exact same meltdowns, and yeah, man. And and Jake, so we did the pan. I, I went to this screening of it, and they did a panel where Stone Cold Steve Austin was moderating it, and he had asked Jake. He goes, "How bad did it get?" And Jake said, "I hated people liking me. It got to the point where I hated taking pictures with children because." I wanted to get mad at the parents. Of course, I would smile, grin, and bear it, and take these photos. But I wanted to get mad at the parents go, don't you know what a worthless piece of shit I am? And you're making me carry your fucking child. Like, it was, and nothing has ever hit home more that self-loathing. That I think, um, sadly, it it just seems to be something that comes with wanting to entertain. It's like, maybe if I can make other people laugh, it's going to numb these for whatever reason shitty voices. Mine might I think my has to probably because I've never luckily I've never had alcohol or drug abuse. I was never a victim of any kind of abuse, you know. Right. But it was this weird like watching my mother struggle throughout her early yeah. lives yeah. and realizing that you know if I weren't here, I bet you anything she'd be happier. Did and you, that's where it all put started. Put that on from. yourself. I this is a not tell. This is a weird thing, but I almost tried to kill myself when I was five because I thought, well, maybe it'll make my mom. Ah, wow. And I remember I tried to smother myself with a pillow because I saw it on like a TV show, <laughs> and I remember getting right when I started to get like heavy air, I just got really scared yeah. and I threw the pillow off and I was like, oh, that. And then, but I really I thought like, okay, maybe that'll help. You know, yeah, like yeah. maybe that's why. And so I think that I think with every, there just comes this like, if I can make other people have a good time, then maybe that's going to erase all this shit that I'm feeling. For well,
0: that's what it's about, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's in any form of entertainment, but especially with what you guys do, it's, it's, right. it's filling some kind of hole. It, uh, it does, it, you're, you're yeah. trying to get. You you want to get a response. You want to get get people right. to like you. I right, mean, that's what it is. And for some of those guys, it just wasn't enough. Yeah. And and all that other stuff, whatever, drugs or alcohol, whatever, it, that didn't fill the hole either. And and it gets too much for some people. It's brutal. So, like my
1: mom, God bless her, but she, I would always. She, there was never the year fifteen. Why do you still? Because I'm one of my first jobs is at a, a KB toy store in Dallas when I was still in high school. And I loved it because I got an employee discount. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Shit, I'm buying some fucking Wolverine toys like a motherfucker. (laughs) And And, ripping them out of the Ripping them out of the boxes. And and my mom, I, I loved video games, still do video games, comic books, toys. And my mother, and I think part of being happy in life is finding what made you happy when you were eight and embracing it cuz that's when you no one's ever happier than when they were having a great time as a kid. Mm-hmm. And for me it was stand-up comedy and this whole other nerd world, you know. And so my mom had always said, she's like, "You know what, we've never had money, but I don't mind you spending money on if if a video game makes you happy, if toys make, if comic books, movies, you know what, you're not shooting heroin, you're not I'd rather you spend below your money on this yeah. than on shit that's going to kill you, you know." And so I was like, "All right, that, that's kind of yes. You know,
0: the geeks survive yes <laughs> dude i am so excited for you i thanks I, man i think you're really funny and oh, well, I appreciate um, you, you know kudos to uh mr iglesias for discovering man, thank you know, you, how your real talent thanks and uh, i got it
1: real quick I, this wouldn't have happened without uh cristella alonso and alfred robles who uh but cristella was the first cristella was even before she used to work at the improv in dallas And she would tell the owner, you gotta fucking book this Rocha guy. Like, he's really funny. Christella has been a champion of mine since I was a nobody. And she was the main person who got me in front of Gabe. And then this guy, Alfred Robles, who tours with Gabe, too, super good dude, super funny guy. He also kept telling Gabe, look, you got to see this guy. And so this fluffy thing wouldn't happen without both of us. Awesome. And you're in
0: town uh, a little bit here if people are listening in Los Angeles, Yeah, if you're in the
1: L.A. area, I'm going to be headlining Flappers in Burbank uh, this next weekend, the 23rd and 24th. this Friday and Saturday. And then on the road after that? And then I go to Colorado. No, no, no. I'm in Phoenix at the House of Comedy. Uh, the first, the last week of October going until November 1st. Then after that, I'm going to be at Looney's in Colorado Springs. Then I got a week off and then, yeah, I'm going to be at Doc's lab in San Francisco and then, uh, the San Jose Improv.
0: So, and hopefully Fuse will replay the show or it's going great. to be available on hopefully demand we'll somewhere. We'll find some
1: kind of on demand thing or maybe even a streaming service later on down the road. Sweet. Yeah.
0: And JerryRocha.com?
1: Uh, Jerry Rocha, Rocha Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, and it's got all my, my social media links at the top of my website. Great.
0: So. And I'll put it on the website too. Oh, thank you so Jerry, much. JerryRochacomedy.com. Oh, that's it. Dude, uh, congratulations. Thank you, man. And best of luck. And thank I can't you. wait to see you. Let's what do happens. this again, right? Absolutely. All right, good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. And cool. may the force be with you. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> that was very Catholic of you. Yeah, that's why I always do that. <laughs>
1: Get a monkey.
0: Get a monkey!